Hear now a reading from the Gospel according to Mark. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beast. And the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you remember your baptism? I'm a United Methodist, so I usually can't expect that my congregation will be able to say yes to that. But you all are Baptist, so you probably do. I wasn't raised Christian, so I actually was a little bit older when I got baptized. I was 14, and I remember it. I remember the pastor who put both hands on my head, and he was shaking. And I remember that I was shaking too. This couldn't be because I fully understood what baptism is, right? Because who of us does? But I understood that it was important. I understood that it was weighty, like the weight of those hands on my head. I understood that I was making a choice and it was all mine. I knew it was important. I've continued to be impressed about the weightiness of baptism. I'm a Paul person in my studies, so I've read a lot about how Paul talks about baptism. And he knew, too, how important it was, how it changed a person, their whole identity. So I continue to begin to understand how important baptism is. And today, we hear about Jesus' baptism. This is right at the beginning of Mark's gospel, so not much has happened yet. Really, all that we've heard about is John the Baptist, who is preparing the way for Jesus. And then here we are, at the river for Jesus' own baptism. So the writer of Mark knows that what happens here at the very beginning of the gospel matters for everything else that comes after it. This is important. Now we know, because we've just been through Advent and Christmas, that Jesus was also born before this happened, but that's not the emphasis that Mark puts on this. The emphasis for Mark is baptism to begin the good news. 
Now, what happens at this baptism is partly completely understandable and partly totally weird. Jesus comes up from the water and the spirit descends like a dove and there is a voice from heaven that says, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. At our baptism, too, our names are given. And so, too, is the name of God, who is three in one. This is the familiar part. This is the part that sounds just right when it comes to baptism. So think back to your own baptism or the baptism of a loved one. You probably did not hear a voice from heaven, though you might have, I don't know. But you did hear your name, and you did hear the name of the Trinity, and it was wonderful, and it was celebratory. I have learned through becoming a Christian that sometimes there's cake and (laughs) presents and hugs. It's wonderful. This is what happens after baptism, right? Cake. But that is not what happens after Jesus' baptism. Instead, Mark tells us that immediately, the Spirit sends him out into the wilderness. This is the totally weird part. This is not what we expect after baptism. This is not what we expect from the Spirit who descends like a dove and calls Jesus beloved. But the Spirit drove Jesus out immediately into the wilderness where he remained for 40 days being tempted by Satan hanging out with wild beasts and being waited on by angels the word in scripture here for the spirit driving Jesus out is a really strong verb in the Greek the word is ekbalo which literally means to throw out Drive out, cast out. In fact, later in Mark, even in this same chapter, Jesus ekbalos demons. This is a strong verb, and it is not a nice, gentle, spirit-nudging word. Thrown out, cast out. It can also be used when someone is being banished from their family. Jesus is cast out as a demon is cast out into the wilderness. I started thinking about wilderness, and I'm new to this area, but I have been here long enough to know that there's not a whole lot of wilderness in the D.C. metro area, right? A whole lot of other stuff, but not a whole lot of wilderness, We can get in our car and drive, and it's not too far, depending on traffic, before you get to wilderness. But there's not really a whole lot of wilderness here. Wilderness in scripture means a lonely place, a solitary place, a deserted place, someplace empty and alone. This is the place where Jesus greets his first day as a baptized person. That's also weird, being alone, right? Because when we are baptized, we are baptized into the whole Christian family. We are baptized into a church, 
but into the communion of saints as well, the cloud of witnesses. We are never alone. But Jesus is cast out, thrown out, into isolation by the Spirit. Now, when I started to think about wilderness a little bit differently, I started to think that actually maybe we have a lot of wilderness here. If we think metaphorically about loneliness, about emptiness, we probably have plenty of it, and it's very close. So ask yourself here on the beginning of the Lenten journey, when is it that you feel isolated and alone? Because that's wilderness. Maybe it's when you're running back and forth between things and you barely have enough time to take a breath or eat a full lunch. Maybe it's when you want to weep at the end of the day because you read the news and it is so unrelentingly awful. Is it when tears interrupt your day because you heard about another school shooting where 17 young people have lost their lives? Young people who are just like your sons and daughters and nieces and nephews and grandchildren and neighbors and friends. Is it when the kids are finally in bed asleep and you look across the room at your spouse and you could not feel that that distance would be any bigger because you haven't had a conversation in five years? At least an uninterrupted one. Is it that moment when you're looking in the mirror and you can't quite recognize the person looking back? Is it when you think about the work that you would really like to be doing and realize it is not the work that you are doing? Or is it when you consider how long it's been since you've had a job at all? You see, wilderness, loneliness, is really very close. This season of Lent, which we are now in, is the time when we remember Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness, and we use it intentionally to prepare for what comes next, for where Jesus' ministry leads, because we know that it is to the cross, and only after that to resurrection. So Lent offers us this opportunity, this chance to stay in the wilderness. For those of us who are world-weary, especially in the face of tragedies like the one that happened this week in Florida, we want to run fast and far away from wilderness. And in fact, we're really good at doing that, right? We have a lot of coping mechanisms to get away from the wilderness that's around us. We read, we drink, we game, we listen to music to tune out the silence, we watch TV, we post on Twitter, we post on Facebook, we read other people's posts. We fill all the moments of our days so that there is no silence. And it feels good. It feels almost necessary because wilderness is a scary place to go and to be. 
But Mark's gospel begins 1-1, the very first verse, right before these that we've already heard. He begins the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, Son of God. So I have to think that there is some good news in the wilderness. Good news for staying in the wilderness, no matter how far we'd like to run from it. Every time that I read these verses from this morning, I am drawn to the part where we hear what happens to Jesus in the wilderness. We read, he was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was with wild beasts and angels waited on him. And it's that last part that always catches my ear. The angels waited on him. So here's another Greek word for you. Diakoneo is that word for waiting. It sounds a lot like a word that we use in the church all the time. Deacon. It's the same word. It means minister. It's not just like the angels waited with him till the 40 days were over and they were twiddling their thumbs or whatever. They were ministering to Jesus in the wilderness. Angels are the messengers of God and they spent the wilderness time with Jesus ministering to him. And this sounds like good news to me because who of us does not need ministering in the wilderness? So let's take these 40 days of Lent. Let's be intentionally in the wilderness. If you've been ignoring the wilderness or avoiding the wilderness, this is your chance to be in it, to stop running from it. We know that Jesus didn't run from it. For 40 days, we know that it was only 40 days, only 40 days. 40 days can seem like an eternity anyway, But we know it was 40 days. I don't know that Jesus knew it was going to end in 40 days. Right? Did he wake up on the morning of the 40th day and say, oh, that's it? Or did he wake up and think it could be tomorrow too? 40 days and he didn't run from it. He lived each day in the wilderness, in temptation, waiting for what would come next which was preaching the good news. He left the wilderness with good news on his lips, so there must have been good news in the messages from those angels. So our invitation is to sit in these 40 days too and listen for the messages God has for us. We sit in the place of uncomfortableness, of crushed dreams and frustrated goals. We sit in the wilderness of mourning and loss of relationship. We sit in loneliness and silence. We feel that there are cracks in our heart and we don't pretend they're not there. We don't have angels ministering to us. But we do have each other. Because we are baptized into this family, this large, worldwide, heavenwide Christian family. And there are messages for us from our family. The way I see it, 
There are about four parts to this message that Jesus got from the angels. Empowerment, protection, companionship, and hope. Messages for the wilderness. For 40 days, Jesus is tempted, we read. That is a lot of temptation. A lot of temptation. Having been thrown out by the Spirit, he wakes up with temptation and he goes to sleep with temptation and somehow he makes it through without succumbing to temptation. So those ministering angels had to give him a message of empowerment. Empowerment to not succumb to temptation. In Mark, we don't read what those temptations were. So it's pretty easy for us to think about our own temptations. What are you tempted by? Are you tempted to despair? Are you tempted to lash out at others? Are you tempted to find an easy way out of problems no matter what the collateral damage is? Are you tempted to forget that you too are beloved? Are you tempted to blame others or take advantage of others? You have a message of power in the wilderness. Power to resist your temptation. And Jesus wasn't only tempted. We hear he was with the wild beasts. We don't have a whole lot of wild beasts roaming around. But again, when we can think metaphorically, there are wild beasts all around us. I think about things like self-hatred, fear, doubt, and anger as wild beasts. They are with us in our wilderness. So too are the bigger, more broad wild beasts of things like racism and sexism, things like prejudice and judgmentalism and intolerance. Wild beasts who threaten to gnash their teeth at us when we are alone. Wild beasts who claw at our insecurities and our wrongly held ideologies and threaten to let them define us. But Jesus does not succumb to wild beasts either, and neither will we. Because another of those messages for the wilderness is protection. We need to be protected in the work of difficult truth-telling, protected from the ways that we lie to ourselves, protected from adherence to structures and systems that threaten our humanity and the humanity of others, protection in the form of people who help us to uncover deeply held and deeply unchristian attitudes so that we can change them. These are the wild beasts and the protection that is in our message in the wilderness. And somehow, in this isolated and lonely place, the message was companionship. We have the companionship of Christ in our wilderness. He had the companionship of angels in his. 
No lonely place is alone. This companionship told Jesus that God had not abandoned him. God does not abandon us either. In addition to companionship, the angels offered hope, concrete hope in the presence of God. God who is hope, who is love, God who is mercy, God who is justice. These angels were messengers of and representatives for God in the wilderness, reminding Jesus that wilderness or not, he is beloved. This is your hope and your companionship. God is with you. Jesus is with you. And look around you. You are here with each other in the wilderness. You have companionship and you have hope too. So our charge for Lent is to take up these messages. Empowerment, protection, companionship, and hope. Not only to receive these messages from other people and from God, but to bear these messages to others. For we are all in a wilderness. Minister to one another. Allow others to minister to you. No matter the wilderness, we are not alone. We are here to minister to one another to receive ministry from one another. You are not alone no matter how lonely you are. You can risk embracing the wilderness because you are not alone, because you have messages for this wilderness. And you too can come out on the other side of it with good news on your lips. So I have two questions that I'd love for you to be considering through your journey of Lent. How can I bring messages from God for the wilderness that others are in? And how can I hear God, hear messages from God, from those who are ministering to me in my wilderness? Then you can bear the good news on the other side of the wilderness. The kingdom of God is near. This is good news. This is the best message for the wilderness that we are all in. Ready yourselves by receiving messages in the wilderness so you can proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God and be more equipped to build on it with one another because we are all of us in this together. May God bless you with messages in the wilderness and with faithful ministers to deliver them. May you be one of them who delivers messages to others in the wilderness. Amen.